there, and welcome to Live from the Cyber Institute. In this podcast, we listen in on conversations taking place among ministers, church leaders, and scholars as we engage the issues facing Christians and church leaders today. We hope that this episode is thought-provoking and a blessing to you, because as with everything we do in the Cyber Institute, our mission is to equip church leaders and help churches thrive. After you listen, make sure to follow our podcast so that you get all the latest episodes from your podcast platform of choice. Let's get started. Welcome everyone to Live from the Cybert Institute. My name is Jennifer Schroeder and I'm the Director of Summit for the Cybert Institute here at ACU. I am really excited to sit down today and have a conversation on dialogical preaching with Dr. Sherelle Russell. Sherelle Russell and her spouse and favorite ministry partner, Tim Russell, have three children who are emerging adults and one sweet mini schnauzer. Sherelle is the lead pastor at New Heritage Fellowship in Fairview, Texas, and she has a graduate degree in ministry and another one in missional theology and leadership from Pepperdine and Rochester University. And she recently completed her doctorate in missional and spiritual formation from Hazelip School of Theology. What I think will be very evident in our conversation today is that Sherelle is passionate about missional community, healthy church culture, and small church ministry. Sherelle, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Oh, I am so excited to be visiting with you. And one of the things that I'm really excited about is this idea that until you and I started talking about it, felt a little bit new to me. I had heard about it in bits and pieces, but I really enjoyed getting to learn more about it from you. And so we're starting with this idea of dialogical preaching. So for those that this feels like a new topic to, can you just tell us what is dialogical preaching? Sure. So dialogical preaching is a type of sermon in which the preacher um, engages the congregation and community in a in more of a dialogue. So it's not so much a one-way monologue or sermon. Um, it involves creating space for the whole community to have discussion and interaction during the sermon. And so essentially, when I'm doing a dialogical or sharing a dialogical sermon, I invite the congregation to participate, to share their thoughts, their questions, their insights. And so in this form of preaching, um, there's an emphasis on listening and reflection and mutual learning together. So it's different in that way than a traditional model of preaching uh, where I would just speak and the congregation would just listen. Yeah. And I love this idea of conversation and, and it being it feeling active in the way that it's being carried out. So I guess yeah. then that leads me to the next question is, what led you to a place of desiring dialogical preaching within your church? So in regards to what you just said, I love that about the conversation. I've actually started calling them sermonic conversations because there there are still a lot of um, sermon, traditional sermon elements to it, but the conversation is part of it too. Uh, what made me want to do it was uh, I've been part, our family has been part of egalitarian churches before that shared that preaching space and that had more dialogical um, sermons and 
preaching and we really loved it. It was especially at the church that we were part of in Portland was very focused on children and nurturing another generation of, of disciples. And so it was a way that everyone could be part of the the sermon, a part, a time when everyone was welcome to contribute to the learning of the community. And I just am a huge, I love collaboration. I love working together. I think it's so important to have multiple voices in our gatherings together, even the traditional worship space. And so it, it just feels very natural to me. Um, also, I have, as you said in the intro, three emerging adults. And I find that my kids and their friends are are drawn to a more conversational kind of uh, of worship gathering. A lot of us are are cultured to feel that that's the normal thing, right? We go in and and there's kind of a one way uh, communication going on. But I think there are a lot of younger generations who really appreciate more dialogue. I appreciate you kind of bringing in um, your own children's experiences in this, this idea of it being more collaborative. Um, And so I'm going to then take that into another couple of questions and, and feel free to answer them in the order that you want to. But in this collaborative process, in this conversational process, I imagine there are challenges with it, but I also imagine there are a tremendous number of blessings that come out of this. So what would you say are both of those? How would you answer something like that? Yeah, that's great. So yes, of course, there's challenges because you are, as the preacher, there's a bit, you relinquish some control. You're taking, you're opening up you know, what you've worked on this, sir, I'm a manuscript preacher, I write out my whole manuscript. And then there's a point in there where there's a break, and I open it up to the congregation, and anything can happen, right, in those situations. And so yeah, that that is feels risky. To me anymore, it doesn't feel risky at all, because like anything, it becomes part of the culture and people get used to it. And I've gotten better at learning the right questions to ask and uh, questions that help contribute to the message. I usually know where I'm headed, right? Preachers start writing their sermon and and eventually we know here's where we want to end up. So I try to make the questions I ask help us to get there. I usually try to make the very first question be where we want to end up at the end. So uh, there are challenges. The blessings are that I think that what we should be doing together as disciples, as Jesus people, is being in a learning community. And it's important for other voices to be heard. I think it's great for our whole church to hear the spirit working in numerous people in our community from week to week. I love when we open it up and someone shares a story from the the week where something has happened in their life and they've seen God um, in a situation that really reinforces the story that we're talking about in the sermon. So the blessings are, are numerous. And I think the the risks are worth it. Well, and you touched on um, 
kind of the the um, the riskiness to use that word again, the riskiness of, of opening up a space like that. And so that makes me wonder, do you feel like you maybe had a harder time kind of transitioning into this mindset of uh, sermonic conversations, dialogical preaching, or do you feel like your, your church did, or was it kind of a both and? I feel like because of my prior experiences, I was ready for it. And it's my preferred model of, I, I like that more than a unidirectional sermon. Not that I haven't heard some really great <laughs> unidirectional sermons and great keynotes. But for me, the way that I learn and that my brain learns, and I, I think I've got a bit of ADD, <laughs> it just works better for me. Uh, and our church, I feel like, was already well into that. They had had some dialogical preaching before. One of the shepherds that was part of the church when I first started already did this kind of a sermonic conversation. And it's just a, a community a community that values dialogue. It's a high value of new heritage to to listen to one another and to make space for for listening and for other points of view. And in that making space and that value, um, one of the things you mentioned both at your church in Portland, um, but have have alluded to it, I think, here throughout your your time at New Heritage, is that value that children held within the space. And so when you're talking about dialogical preaching, what does that look like with respect to children within the space? How does that, how is that received? Um, what does that look like? At New Heritage, our kids usually go out for children's worship during the, the sermon time. But in our church in Portland, we everything was just geared towards including the whole community. So whoever was sharing, if they were going to do a dialogical sermon, and they don't happen every single time, even where we are now. Like on Christmas Eve, I did a, a mini sermon and I didn't ask any questions. But it's just geared towards um, involving everyone and giving people the opportunity to respond. And so um, you will just ask a question that contributes to the kids getting to add something to it. And um, it could be related to the scripture or it could be related to something that happened in their lives. You could ask them, how do you pray in your family? What does it look like in your family to pray if we're doing a scripture on pray or um, prayer? If we're talking about fear and, and a passage on fear, uh, have you ever been afraid? And what did you do when you were afraid? So those are ways we, we've included kids. What are some other ways that you have found this process to be impactful and meaningful for your church? As I've engaged in dialogical preaching more and more, I have been really excited to look into scripture and think that maybe this is what it was like in the beginning. Like when Paul is preaching well into the night, <laughs> probably the longest sermon ever. Uh, but but the word there that is used is actually a dialogue, that there was dialogue happening and not a one-way preaching. And so I feel like we're kind of looking at our, our roots again and tapping into the roots of the early church. And so I like that. And uh, I love getting to hear what God is doing in the lives of our members in a sermonic conversation. And I really, really like 
that there are times when a preacher says something and it impacts somebody in the congregation, maybe in a hurtful or a difficult way. And a lot of times, maybe the preacher doesn't even know that happened. Certainly the rest of the church doesn't, but there are times when something comes up and I think it's so healthy and beneficial for the whole congregation to hear. For example, one Sunday we were talking about turning the other cheek and we were studying the Sermon on the Mount. And one of our sisters shared how that impacts her as somebody who's had to deal with domestic violence. And I needed to hear that in that moment, because as much as I try to really keep the congregation in view when I'm writing a sermon, I didn't think about that. And certainly everyone else wasn't, you know, thinking about that unless they were in the same in the same situation as she had been. So it was just a really powerful moment. You know, we all kind of pause for a minute and take that in. And I think that's really powerful for a church. Yeah, I can imagine just you're not only um, proclaiming the message of God, you're living life together as a faith community in those really transformative moments of worship. Right. Yeah. I love that. Um, How does, and you've talked about this a little bit, how does, though, it change the way you prepare for a sermon? You said you're a manuscript preacher, but Mm -hmm. I can imagine because this is not necessarily following just a strict manuscript. How does it change the way you prepare for a sermon? Well, I really just prepare as I normally do. I um, sit down and start writing the sermon and figure out what this story is that we're trying to tell and know where I'm hoping that we'll end up. And I put questions in there along the way that I think will help us to get there or questions that will be encouraging to us as a community. And yeah, it just basically includes including some questions into my, into the writing process. And we don't always get to all of the questions. There'll be, there'll be some Sundays where there's a a lot of conversation. There's some where, you know, only maybe one or two people want to share There are times I end up leaving a lot of my actual sermon out because the conversation that's happening is better than what, (laughs) than what I wrote and really powerful. So it, it, it doesn't change that much. I think the changes that occur are learning to ask good questions, uh, not yes or no questions, questions that are reflective and that encourage people to reflect. And also just letting go. If it turns out that the the conversation happening is better than what you've put together, it's okay to release that and go with what the spirit is doing in that moment. So you just have to be attuned more. I'm more attuned to what's actually happening in the community when I'm delivering a dialogical sermon than when I'm just delivering a more monologue type sermon. So along with that, then, because I know I've heard you talk about before, um, and you haven't touched on yet here today, but I've heard you talk previously before on what does this look like um, in terms of also releasing your 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 preaching space to others in the congregation? Yes. Well, we just value other people's voices so much. And I think it's, at least for me, it's a lot more encouraging 
for my faith to go to a gathering and hear so many people talking about where they're experiencing the presence of God during the week than just hearing one. Um, even a really great sermon. I, I feel more connected and more inspired and encouraged by hearing other people share about how um, they're how they're seeing God show up in their lives throughout the week and what God is up to in their lives. I find that to be uh, a it's a faith builder. I imagine it really it has to be um, at New Heritage. Don't you all at times both though practice kind of an open pulpit where others get to lead the church through this as well? Yes, we do. We have shared um, preaching. And anyone, even kids from the oldest to the youngest member can sign up to share a sermon with uh, New Heritage. And again, I love that the space is open. Uh, we're very interested, I think, in how we use power, hold power. And New Heritage has just a real desire to share power and to open up those spaces that typically are spaces of power in churches and to share them with other people. And we find it to be really healthy. And I, I just love being part of that. <laughs> so I'm thankful for that aspect of our church. Uh, we share all of our spaces. I love that. That's beautiful. And that's what I was trying to ask a moment ago that I don't think I asked really well. I was trying to uh, to kind of bring out that point that, that you all do just welcome all of the different voices and experiences perspectives and experiences into the entirety of your church. You, um, it's the whole church, lean, you know, helping to guide and lead the whole church. And right. I think there's a really a beautiful picture in that that illustrates the fullness of the kingdom of God in a way that's I think can be easy to overlook unless we're intentionally drawn toward doing that. Right. Yeah. Also, I think it's so healthy for me as a pastor um, to have faith that there is wisdom in the community. It's not a paternalistic thing. I trust in the wisdom of our, our community. Uh, it's it's there. It's out there. And I just feel that that's such a healthy place to come from for anyone who's a leader in a church to to trust that there's wisdom out there to be had, to be heard and that will encourage everyone. Yeah, that level of trust can be hard. Um I can I can only imagine relinquishing that space in a way that just requires you to lean heavily on the rest of your faith community. Um and so I'm I'm inspired by the work that y'all are doing as you do that more fully. Thinking through, so going back to this idea of, of, of a shared pulpit, of, of this open space, how do you then in that maintain harmony and cohesion within your preaching? Um, I imagine that without intentionality, it might, it might become, it might feel chaotic at times unless you're intentional about how you approach it. What does that look like? Yeah, we typically have, a, when we start a series We'll have a, at least one primary conversation partner that's like a commentary or a book that serves as a commentary. And so there's definitely a, 
the sign-up sheet has, here's, you know, what you're going to be talking about. Here's the scripture. And because we're using a primary conversation partner, it just keeps us sort of on a singing from the same sheet of music. <laughs> you know, we're, yes, there's, we're different parts of it, but we're still all headed in the same direction. So that's how we've decided to keep everyone still walking in unison, even though we will have different viewpoints and people bring their different life experiences to each of those chapters or texts that they sign up for. But that helps us stay together. And then part of my role in that is I look for those books. I find books that I think um, will help us in that process. We ask people what they want to study every year, twice a year, and they submit those. And so my role is to find those books, which I love doing. And then also I am the coordinator of our services. So on Monday, I'll send out the list for the next Sunday. Here's what everyone signed up for. Here's what the text is. And so you definitely do have, there is an intentionality along with it. But, you know, we also kind of just let people do what they feel inspired to do. And I, and I think that's a good thing too. There's, if somebody said, listen, I read this chapter and I didn't like it. And so here's what I'm doing. We would be okay with that also. Yeah. There's that, that openness, that willingness to just hear where the spirit is leading the person um, that's leading the conversation that day. I've heard someone um, at, New Heritage before used the phrase, uh, said, say that someone had done something uh, before we got there. And, and the congregation's response was, thanks for trying. Um, and I love that. Thanks, you know, thanks for trying. Things aren't always going to go the way we plan them, no matter how well we plan them. Even in a church where the preacher is is delivering the message almost every Sunday, things can happen. Technology can happen. Someone can in the audience or the congregation can say something. Um, you, things are not always as controllable as we'd like them to be. So there's that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to go kind of off script again. I'm going to ask a question and I'm going to see if I can formulate it well. So what I'm trying to ask is there's a lot of emphasis in many churches where there's a lot of emphasis placed on the preaching message on um, the, just the importance of it. And I mean that in the most reverent of ways, just the sure. importance of that moment within yeah. the worship environment. How do you help? Um, and maybe even what are some practical ways you help your faith community, your church, develop a mindset or move closer to a mindset where that becomes their identity, that that permeates all of who they are so that um, there's there almost feels like a freedom in being willing to just let the spirit lead in those moments where the Sundays maybe don't go quite as planned. Yeah. Well, I when I'm writing and looking at what is going to happen on a, our in a worship gathering, I really I guess my hope is that we're going to create a shared space to explore to explore scripture, to explore ideas, to explore experiences. And the hope is always that both my and the congregation's understanding of scripture or what God is doing is going to be deepened. And so I feel like that's 
really what we're we're aiming for is that it's okay to be people that explore these things. It's okay if there's more than one idea about what a text means. Um, it's really about exploration. And I feel like that actually has a deepening impact, at least for me, that has been more profound than um, than when I'm just delivering a, a one-way sermon. You know, I know you said earlier in our conversation that this was something you were ready for. Your previous experiences had really kind of led you to a place of valuing this interaction within the worship space. Um, but how long would you say, and even though that was kind of new heritage's value as well, would you say there was time that it took y'all to really get there and to feel comfortable? And and what maybe did that look like? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. It, of course, it takes time to make any cultural changes or shifts in a community. Um, you just start one step at a time. You take it slowly. I just talked to a preacher this last week that said, I'm starting to try dialogical preaching. And I started on Mother's Day by just saying, tell a story about your mom. And so it, that's just one simple, easy way to start that process. And so you, like anything, you take it a step at a time and are communicate about it very clearly. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. And over time, you know, there in the beginning, there are people who might take too long to say what they're going to say, or um, they're all of those things start to get worked out over time. That is the beauty of community is that we work things out together in the moment. I think that's, um, I, it's just a healthy way to do things. And yeah, there are things that happen, but I find it so much better to work them out in community than behind the scenes or, you know, or not address them at all, sweep them under the rug. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's that in real time effect that I think also continues to draw you all closer together and to just make it uh, to further uh, influence your identity and shape your identity. One of the things I like about it is I think it's really easy, at least it has been for me in my life, to go into a, a worship service and and not really be fully present, you know? Uh, especially depending on what's been going on during the week and how scattered I feel in my in my mind and heart. And one of the things I like about dialogical preaching is it invites for people to show up in a and engage as a whole person and to participate in a conversation all together. And also the other part of that is that it can be scary if you're used to going to a service and not having that level of engagement and participation, it can be intimidating. There's a lot of intimacy involved in dialogical preaching and intimacy can be scary for people if they're not accustomed to it. That's beautiful. I, I was going to ask you a question about, I had heard you say before, this idea of building intimacy through this process. Um, mm -hmm. And so I appreciate you touching on that. Let me say this, practically speaking, and you've talked about this a little bit, but for somebody really kind of deciding from a very practical standpoint, hey, I want to try this out. What are some practically um, speaking tips that you might offer? So I think 
what I mentioned about the preacher that I talked to that started small on a day when it's kind of a easy transition to throw a question into this, to the sermon. So starting small, preparing your congregation for any change is really important. You have to communicate and I making sure that your leadership is in on it, right? We all have to be on the same page so that we're communicating about what we're doing, that there's examples of it happening. Our shepherds are really wonderful at when we're planning to do something new, anticipating ways that they can reinforce that and show that as an example. So communication, I think, is is incredibly important. Yeah, I, I can imagine church church members knowing what's going to happen will help them kind of transition as they start to imagine what a new sort of space looks like. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. So final question. Um, I imagine that for some, the idea of even approaching preaching through this lens might feel daunting, um, maybe even inaccessible. Um, what advice would you give to that person? I would say, um, yes, <laughs> I think it does feel that way. And, but I think it's worth it. One of the things I love is that in dialogical preaching, we are inviting our members that we are walking alongside as a spiritual companion to bring their questions, their struggles, their doubts to the table. And that creates a space that is very healthy. It is a space where we learn as a community to listen, to make room for each other. And I think that helps us to be better Jesus people when we leave that space and we're outside of the church building. Because when we're in church, we are practicing listening. We're practicing deep listening. We're practicing sharing what's on our heart and mind. We're, we're practicing sharing what God is doing in our lives. And I think that helps us to do that better when we're outside of the church. And so it's worth it. There's just so many reasons that I think that it's worth it. And I mean, I'm biased, but I do think this might be where churches are headed, especially churches like ours. We're like the national average size with about 75 people. And I don't know how this would work in a large church, but I think for smaller churches, um, dialogical preaching offers a chance for real enrichment and spiritual formation. One of the things that I think is powerful about it is that it, it you really have to do your pastoral work. Like when I, the reason I can ask good questions is because I'm, I'm in a situation in a small church where I'm doing a lot of pastoring throughout the week. And so I know our people well, and they know me. And so that pastoral connection really helps with dialogical preaching and helps me to ask questions and, and know the audience. Well, does that make sense? It does. It does. And that, yeah. And I think that then just continues to build relationships and foster relationships, which in turn strengthens the whole of the church. You know, it's that, that right. beautiful cycle. Right. The two things that you said in that, that just really resonate with me is first of all, the idea that it's worth it even in those difficult moments and, and what that then that 
that sense of trust and presence in the space together, how that then carries out in your everyday lives and in your interactions outside of that space of church. And so thank you for sharing your heart and your experiences and your wisdom with us. Um, and also perhaps more importantly, thank you for challenging us to imagine preaching in a different way um, because it is through the proclamation of the word and us diving in deep to that as a faith community that we grow closer together and um, more like Christ. And, and, and I think that's what we each desire. Yeah. Yeah. I love that Jennifer. And I do feel like that is, I think Jesus kind of showed us the way with this. I Jesus constantly was inviting um, deeper reflection. Jesus asked a lot of questions and so I think we have a model in, in Jesus for doing this. <laughs> I agree completely. And well, with that, Sherelle, let me say once again, thank you. Thank you for your time and being with us today. Thank you. I really appreciate getting to share with um, you and your audience about dialogical preaching. And if folks want to reach out to me for a conversation about it, I'd be happy to do that. Wonderful. Thank you. We will make sure and be able to connect you all. Thanks for listening today to Live from the Cybert Institute. We would love to connect with you on our social media channels, and you can always find all of our various resources at our website, cybertinstitute.org. If you haven't done so yet, make sure to subscribe and follow this podcast on your platform of choice, then share it with your friends. Until next time, may God bless you in all that you do.